today on Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet Afterlife. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet. We're the only podcast on the internet that talks about every Arcade Fire song alphabetically, one per episode. We are in fact the only podcast on the internet that talks about Arcade Fire. So welcome everyone to the number one Arcade Fire podcast on the internet. Welcome to the worst Arcade Fire podcast on the internet. And welcome to Win Butler's favorite Arcade Fire podcast on the internet. Shout out to Win. Thanks for the shout out to us. We really appreciate it. So welcome to today's episode. It was episode. not a shout out. <laughs> it was. It was. I responded. It was constructive criticism. <laughs> so as always, the pessimist to my left, although sometimes to my right, is the one, the only Owen Heaney. How are you tonight, Owen? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. And as always, we are coming out of CITR, the recording and radio station on campus at the University of British Columbia, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So, this one, I mean, it could end in two minutes, but I, this one's going to be a real long episode. <laughs> so, turn it off right now. Just, no, just no, no, end no, no, no. it. <laughs> just, just, you're here. I'm buckled up. Owen, are you buckled up? I just put my seatbelt on. Yep. We're in um, for a ride. Yeah, and so we're going to be releasing this on Valentine's Day, so who knows? I mean, this might be a love song we haven't discussed yet. We'll find out. So, um, we're going to, this is the first song off of their album Reflector, their fourth album, and this is the fifth song on disc two. The second single from Reflector came out a month before the album release. And so what we're going to do, we didn't talk about Neon Bible on Antichrist, but on the first song we discussed from an album, we're going to talk about that album kind of in general, and so today, because it's the first song from Reflector, we're going to talk about Reflector for just a little bit. And also, we're going to be talking about Reflector for the next three weeks, because it's going to be Reflector three weeks of the A's. A couple outtakes, though, right? Yeah, one outtake, and then, yeah. So what, what do you think of Reflector, Owen? I think it's a quality album. It's got a lot of themes that I think they've changed. Like they, they, I think it was a big shift. I think it was one of their bigger shifts, oh, definitely. right? From suburbs to reflector. And that's, that I think that it was a good move, I think, or like it, it's fresh compar- comparatively. Um, I think it provides a lot of quality songs. I think it has a few of their worst songs on it. Like I think it has more, higher variance definitely than a mm. few, than the previous albums before. I, I wouldn't know. I haven't listened to any of their songs past this one in the alphabet. Yeah, neither. Ever. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. What, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think about Reflector? Um, yeah, just some yeah basic facts. Came out October 28th, 2013, and I definitely agree. It was a huge departure from how the suburbs sounded and felt, which kind of was how Funeral and Neon Bible sounded. Not like a huge amount, but to some extent, they were kind of sticking with a similar thing throughout the whole previous three albums. Um, so this came out when I was in grade 12, and... I mean, I remember when The Suburbs came out, and I remember listening to The Suburbs, but this was the first Arcade Fire album that was kind of just mine to start with. Uh, like, this was one I heard when it was announced. I listened to the singles as they were being released. Uh, this is also the second time where the album is not produced exclusively by them. So The Funeral and Neon Bible were produced just by Arcade Fire, but The Suburbs was them and a guy named Marcus Dravs, who's worked with Coldplay, Bjork, Brian Eno, Florence the Machine, Kings of Leon. And so we did the suburbs with them. And then they also brought on James Murphy of LCD Sound System, who is known for his kind of unique electronic dance elements and 
how he kind of incorporated those into what we kind of call indie rock. And this album uh, reflects, among other things. That's the one and only <laughs> reflector pun that we're, yeah. we're allowed to make. That's until the, the Until the reflector episode. Then it, the whole episode is going to be puns. Every Yeah. Puns and reflections, and that's it. Uh, yeah, so what do you think of that entry to the electronic sound, Owen? Yeah, it's very definitive. I think what makes Reflector so unique compared to a lot of albums is how it mixes a little bit of a Haitian feel music. Mm. Like, it has a strong influence in Rara, which is like a carnival music, and really mixes that in with electronic modern indie sound. And I think that's what makes it so unique in, as an album. Yeah, def- no, definitely. And it was a big... Um, it was very. It, it caused a lot of uh, divergency among the fan base. I hope that's a word. That's, it's midterm season for us. I hope that's a word. It's been a long day. Anyway, a lot of disrupt and disconnect amongst the fan base because a lot of people liked what they were doing on the three albums, and they went in this new direction. And all of a sudden, people were like, "Oh, it's selling out dance music, whatever, whatever." But. Well, like I was saying, one of the main themes, which we won't really talk about too much this episode, definitely going forward, is that kind of the relationship we have with the digital age and how that reflects to ourselves. And I think that the electronic elements were pretty, it was a good kind of a almost physical metaphor for that, where their sound was literally connecting the same style and themes with this new not like not new at the time, but for them, new electronic kind of music instead of their usual full band, you know, non-electronic. What do you think? I agree with that a lot. I mean, the theme, I, I wouldn't just say like the music shift from Suburbs. It is a lot of the theme shift as well. Yeah. So. Like, kind of like based on, I mean, we'll get to... I mean, we could just we should just move on to the song. I was gonna say based on uh, like what they started talking about on Deep Blue and the Suburbs, but we'll 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 talk about this song. We're we're gonna go back into Reflector more and more as we get more songs onto it and expand on the overall album theme. But for now, what do you gotta say about Afterlife, Owen? Uh, so Afterlife first performed on SNL mm-hmm. as part of their. I I we, we're gonna talk about this more on Here Comes Nighttime, but. Uh, uh, Arcade Fire had a very guerrilla marketing for Reflector album, and um, part of that is SNL. They played the song, they appeared in a few of the skits, and then they had a release of a music video after it. And I thought that was all really uh, innovative, I think, and really I think it helped with the reception of the album a bit with new fans. Uh, Talking about the themes of this song, or influences, Right away, as I said before, the song is influenced by the rah-rah, the Haitian uh, carnival music. Or, and uh, I'd just like to point out that this past weekend, I think it was, mm. uh, Regine and Will, well, Regine founded it this uh, in Louis- New Orleans, the Crew du, Ca- du Carnival. And it's a Haitian-themed kind of carnival. And it, they just had it in New Orleans, and there was big bands, and uh, it was on, yeah, through and the they, streets. And they, they and, wrote a song for it. Yeah, um, that was kind of like the. I mean, what did you rah rah? Like it was kind of like a, a nice rah rah twist to "Take Me Home, Country Road" by John Denver. <laughs> like they must be paying him royalties on that. Like if you listen to it, it is it's straight. Like the part of it's like straight out of "Take Me Home." It, it, it was it was very enjoyable though. Um, I, I liked it. I'll, yeah. I, we're not gonna review it. No, we? no, we're not gonna review because it's, it's not just, Arcade Fire. It's just winning, uh, winning regime. But I mean, nice to talk about it, especially with going into the themes of that sound. Um, yeah. So like I was saying, uh, this is also this is the climax of the album. It's second second last song. 
And the la- as of this episode, the last time this was played was on December 15th, 2017 in Argentina. And this is a huge staple for them since it was released. Uh, it's been played on, it was played on every single date of the Reflector Tour. And we saw it live when we saw them in Vancouver, where we were lining up all day and up on the rails and high-fived every single one of them as they were going on stage. And yeah, we saw it. It was great. I mean, I loved it mm-hmm. when we saw it live. Same. One of my top songs live. Oh, yeah. All right. So what does this say to you musically? Um, like talking about the influence, but then sort of what does it do for you in the song? Like the sound it's influenced by in the song? Uh, I think that you can, you can you can hear like the carnival type music. And that makes you, it's a, a very upbeat. But then you look more into the lyrics and you kind of think about the song and it it's more. It's more than that. It's not. You just. Not, it's not a happy song, particularly. But it t- speaks about these uh, feelings that you have, and they're they're they're, they're, not, they're not great feelings. Yeah, but Which, yeah, but like it's not. It's not just despair. I don't think. I mean, I I think that'd be some real dissonance between the, the upbeat sound and the despair in the song. But I think there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, so like when I think of this song, the first thing I really think of is like that the bouncing synth that's throughout the entire song, like that, and they're there for almost the entire song. Like I mean, they're right front center for the beginning, and then in the background for the chorus. And live, you just see Will slamming on the synths and dancing around in the most Will-like fashion. I mean, honestly, I I mean I love all of them, but I love Will on stage. He just goes crazy. Um, yeah. I could just like we, we talk about this like we see Win as a very serious artist type. The older brother, yeah. The older brother, and he I, when he asked like Win, uh, Will to join the band, I'm sure he's like, oh, you get to do some stuff on stage, and Will probably just took that at, to heart because he's quite the performer, I'd say. Oh yeah, um, like just I mean going on his like when we saw in Rebellion live, and it was just. The rest of the band were like playing instruments, and I mean Jeremy Gar on the drums, and I just imagine Will would be like, "Oh, Will, do you want to play the the piano or the guitar?" He's like, "No, no, no, Jeremy, give me one of your drums. I got a good idea." And just jumping and slamming and jumping into the rails, like honestly, that's I I love it. I, it made me just really happy with his enthusiasm, which going into this song is such a contrast to the sad chord progression and the melancholy and sad and despair and whatever lyrics we'll get to in a second but just it's such a danceable song but at the same time the underlying chord progression is not happy uh and then speaking of the chords there's the guitar comes on later on with just power chords and they come on so just sharp and and fierce like like someone punching a wall in frustration just slamming on the chords and just like the yeah the punches what do you think of the the vocals? Uh, they're amazing. You got, you got Wynn and Regine. I think this is one of their so- better songs where they really work together. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's re- you can see that throughout the song. Oh, definitely. Um, and like it's something Wynn departs from his usual way of singing. Like we we're saying that sort of Wynn despair arcade fire voice, where through most of it he's just kind of talking in his normal voice, um, and. He just kind of sounds bitter and, and angry and and frustrated, other than parts of the chorus or parts of the song where he gets into his usual win, higher voice. Um, and, yeah, it's multi-tracked by Regine in certain parts, and it's 
I really think it enhances the theme with the multi-tracking because it's almost ghost-like. Like, uh, like kind of like a call and response between Wynn and Regine, but there's no call response. It's at the same time. Uh, and same as there's the synth in some parts um, with uh, when the vocals are also doing the ah, 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 while the synth is going on. Almost like this layer that wasn't, it seems like it wasn't there when they originally wrote it, and then it just appeared later on as a reflection of the theme. I don't know, I like it a lot. Uh, yeah, and there's also, it's not just Wynn and Regine, there's multi-track male vocals too, and I mean, it might be Wynn in a further recording, or it could be Will or one of the other male singers in the band, and I kind of think that it it gives that sense of self-reflection through the song. When not, we're not allowed to use the word reflect oh. ever again. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> Yeah, it, <laughs> he gave me a look as he said self-reflection. Oh, I, I, I would have let I it pass. I, okay. I would have let it pass if he didn't like think in his own mind, like "haha." I just <laughs> snuck a pun through. I yeah, that was unintentional. I <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, a second layer of introspection, if you will, <laughs> as uh, it's not just the original voice asking the questions and singing. There's another more serious, non-desperate, non-frustrated voice saying it at the same time, like looking back on, this is how I thought and this is what I said, but this is how I understand now. Um, yeah. Musically and lyrically. Now, I asked you to do something for this episode, Owen, and I think musically and lyrically, this song is directly influenced by the song Dream Baby Dream by the band Suicide, which... Shout out to Rob Carmack and J.B. Clark, who really do not care for the Bruce Springsteen cover of this song and host the podcast we were directly inspired by. Um, there's maybe one other person in the whole world who might be listening to this and laughing. Shout out to Bella Pori, friend of the podcast, fellow fan of Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. Um, for those of you just joining us, they're the ones who directly inspired us. Check them out. Anyway, the song Dream Maybe Dream by the band Suicide. Uh you listen to that, Owen? What, what do you think? I listened to it, because Alex told me, you didn't tell me why I should listen to it. And immediately my first thoughts were like, this isn't really that great of a song. <laughs> and boy, did that make Alex mad. <laughs> Not like angry, I guess, but... <laughs> Furious. The song's kind of repetitive. I, I get I get where the influence comes from, but Afterlife is like, it's like they took that influence, like that feel of that song, and just made it ten times better. Okay. Uh, I... Yeah, different opinions on Dream I, Baby Dream. I, I wouldn't. Say, I'm not gonna say better or worse, just because it's they're very different. But uh, it was something I'd thought about first. Like, huh, these songs are pretty similar. But then, Alan Vega, the lead singer and, and half of the band Suicide, with just two of them, he died a couple of years ago. And Arcade Fire with uh, David Byrne, the who was once the frontman of Talking Heads, they covered this song live. And it kind of reinforced that, oh, yeah, this could have been something they were listening to. It has the same sort of consistent drums and music and heavily driven by the synths. And the same sort of thing that this is constantly revolving around the um, afterlife in the lyrics. That one revolves around the term dream baby dream. And I definitely think that Win or Will or any one of them heard this and said, I really want to make a song like this. Not the same song. And by no means, I mean, do I think it's a copy, but... I think that they really like, oh, the repetitiveness and the so the same thing with, like, the upbeat dance kind of thing, but just really sad. Yeah, I'm sure the other guy from the band is probably like, oh, I didn't realize they copied us. Oh. Royalties, go. <laughs> they're, they're getting their lawyers ready, you know? Um, I'm pretty sure the other member of Suicide, if they're alive, is was female. I'm not 100% sure. That's a basic fact. Uh, yeah. Anyway, 
<laughs> Want to get into the lyrics, Owen? Yeah, start. I'll, I'll go first. You go for it. Afterlife, oh my God, what an awful word. After all the breath and the dirt and the fires are burnt, and after all this time, and after all the ambulances go, and after all the hangers-on are done hanging on to the dead light of the afterglow, I've got to know. So what do you think? I think this really brings me back to, it's a festival. It's Carnival. But like more than even a modern music festival. That's like the ambulance leaving. It's the, the breath and the dirt and the fires are burnt. This is the idea of like, you, you just had this huge celebration. A celebration of music. A celebration of people. And then this is this is this is what it's happening to it. Like this is like it's death. This is the end of it. And like all the ambulances are going. So I mean, this is obvious. There's obviously multiple means to this. Uh, ambulances going can mean you know death and like the person died and like the ambulance is taking them away. Or it can mean in my festival metaphor that like the festival's over and you know all the ambulances they have just like for people who get too drunk is they they uh, they're leaving the festival grounds and I think we all we also got some. Classic religious themes wouldn't be an arcade fire song without a religious theme, but uh, say, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> connection that's uh, <laughs> connected to all the other songs, you know. <laughs> oh Fair my enough. god, uh, but like you know, the, the idea of like the afterlife is they talk about the dead light. I think those two words are, um, I want to say, uh, what's what two the word of for comparison, but. I mean, okay. I could go in if it comes back to you. Just you know. Go yeah, for no, it. but no, it's, I'll, I'll I'll get it back. It's, it doesn't matter that much. Uh, but yeah, dead light. It's an oh, oxymoron. Is that what I want? Because I think in this, I don't know. My, what I'm, I'm really going off on a tangent here. Oh, but, I most of my notes for this one are almost all tangents. So go for it. <laughs> but you know, like people saw, say when they die, they see the light, right? That's mm. the idiom, right? To see the light, and like mm-hmm. this is the dead light. So this is like something in the middle. I think we're going to see, like, something in the middle is more... We're going to see that more later on in the song. What do you what do you, what do you say about that, that I first verse? Co- completely did not... I Didn't the, see the festival grounds the festival, coming? Yeah, the festival part. I yeah, mean, that, I'm just thinking Carnaval. No, 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 de- definitely. I, mean, I want to hear more about that. I, I see it. I'm not going to debate you that it's there or not because I've started to see it. Um, I mean, for me, I there's, like... The two main meanings are, you know, the like you were saying, the literal afterlife and, and death, but then also the end of a relationship, which is going to, I mean, kind of exemplified in the music videos, which we'll get to in like three hours. Uh, but the main one, I think, from, from this first verse, before it really gets into the death themes, is that, you know, when you're in a long-term relationship and it ends, you don't really break up quickly. It kind of takes a period where both people begin to realize that they're no longer in love. And, you know, after all this time and after everything, they they kind of know that any of the reasons they need to stop seeing each other, need to prioritize, prioritize themselves or whatever, it, it kind of needs to happen. But they don't want to believe it. And, um, yeah, after everything fades, the final feelings, the lights go out, you know it's going to end. Um yeah, that's what I got to say. Do you got anything more for this verse? Nope. So we got, can we work it out if we scream and shout till we work it out? Can we just work it out, scream and shout till we work it out, 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 till we work it out? Which is kind of the just the closest thing to a chorus that the song has. Um, 
And yeah, going on my theme, I'm going to be my be back and forth from those two themes the whole time is that, you know, the character again here really, really doesn't want this to end, even though they know it will. And I mean, that kind of sounds like uh, a paradox, but that's the feeling like you want it to stay, but you know, it can't. And then now going into the death theme, I really connect this to having a loved one die or seeing a loved one die. And I mean, from personal experience, I find like you just you, you can't believe it when, you know, someone's there and then they're not. Uh, my best friend from elementary school died a few years ago. And I mean, I hadn't seen him since elementary school, but, you know, it hit really hard. And being in the church at his funeral, you can feel that from everyone there that nobody wants to kind of admit this happened. It was so recent that you saw him or you knew him or just was aware that they're around. But you know, it has, and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you can scream and shout. You can ask, like, can we somehow get around this? But you can't. And this is the first part where Regine comes in with sort of the multi-tracked vocals. And this is where it's like, I find it's kind of ghost-like. Like, she's whispering to the lead singer or to the storyteller, the narrator, that, like, kind of in the back of their mind, it is over, and that's the voice they hear. Um... Yeah, not that a death of a loved one is as significant as a relationship ending, but I mean, those are my two driving metaphors for the song. What, what do you think, Owen? I agree. Total relationship ending. This is. I'm gonna I'm gonna get into the Haitian voodoo right now. Oh, please, please. <laughs> so so the, this song, as we have, as I've said, is strongly influenced by the carnival and the, and a lot of Haitian themes. And one that is the main religion in Haiti is like is voodoo. And they believe in the afterlife as something to be celebrated. They mm-hmm. have a general, um, I don't know the term for them, but a mystic, a head mystic. Okay. And uh, they, they, it's about escorting almost between what is, the, what is life and what is the afterlife. And I think in the song we reach this point where there is like a kind of a purg- purgatory sense. And that like we are stuck between or he, it's, 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 it's a transition between what is, what is life and what is the afterlife. But I think one one of the things that's really stuck with me about the Haitian voodoo myth is like or um, belief is that they believe that the afterlife is something to be celebrated because you're going on, you're going to be reincarnated to do something better. And I think in this way, a relationship also can imply like this might be the end of a relationship, but like mm. it's something to be appreciated. But it's also the future of something better. And I think that's seen here. But and that's oh no no de- definitely that. Um, well, I'm just going to get into, I have another really big thing for this verse. So big, in fact, that I'm, I'm actually going to read this verse again. Just the, no, the chorus. The chorus? Rather, yeah. The... The, can we work it out if we scream and shout till we work it out? Can we just work it out till we s- scream and shout till we work it out 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 till we work it out? <laughs> Thank you for reading that again. I forgot how many till we work it out there were. I mean, it really just drives the the desperation like you just can't stop asking um anyway in this next little bit i'm just want to give out a trigger warning that i'm going to be talking about and we're going to be talking about further into death and depression and mental health and suicide and if these are any things that affect you please skip to uh 31 minutes zero seconds where we'll start talking about the other themes of the song again um so yeah from this point onward um yeah, if those things affect you, we're going to get into them. All right, so 
I mean, kind of saying that and hearing that, you know, that uh, kind of what we're going to talk about here. But just bear with me for, like I said, one of the many, many tangents of this song before I get to what I meant in that previous part. So there's this fantastic, fantastic video on YouTube. I mean, there's a lot of fantastic videos on YouTube, but there's one in particular. I'm just laughing at my own jokes here. <laughs> Falling flat all over the world. Yeah, well, the f- <laughs> he started off, we had a pre-recording oh. on the opening, and he said... The first podcast, what, I can't remember what we say oh, the, for the intro. The worst podcast on the end, the worst Arcade Fire podcast No, you, on the you said something before. Oh, I said the uh, only Arcade the only, the only Arcade <laughs> Fire, or you said the only podcast. Oh, the, yeah. And, the, and he, then he turned around oh. and looked at me and, ah, and I was like, yeah, again, no, no <laughs> yeah, laugh. Yeah, we didn't record that one. We had to read. Most of this is live and, and mostly unedited. As but, you can uh, tell. <laughs> as you can tell, yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, the chair squeak or whatever. And anyway... There's this fantastic video on YouTube. There's this guy named Walt Reed, who's a professor at Emory University, which is somewhere in the States, but I couldn't tell you where. Um, He has a video where he talks, it's called Paul Simon's Graceland, A Close Reading. Now, Graceland, top album, top song. Anyway, or, yeah, like, I I love (laughs) it. Five. (laughs) That's that's a five, yeah. Um, Yeah, I saw... Five unwanted sons out of five. (laughs) Un- I know it's not unwanted, unwanted. Um, okay. okay we child need- of my first marriage. Anyway, yeah. anyway. The way he describes it makes okay, but like that's hey, that's just for so- another another <laughs> podcast. Anyway, you know, I, I saw Paul Simon live a few years ago, and I knew he only played the song sometimes, but he played it that night, and I was so excited, I I jumped up to uh to put my little sister at uh, as fast as she's ever seen me stand up before. Anyway, I hope she's listening. Shout a shout out. I hope you enjoy that. Anyway, so in this video, all tangents today, uh, he talks about lyrics as a poem and whether they can stand by themselves without music or vocals. And he talks about lyrics in general. And this may seem obvious, but he says that lyrics have three meanings, like the literal dictionary definitions of the words, you know, the complete surface value, what the writer or writers meant, like what they were inspired by and what they wanted to put on the paper, and then what I or you or anyone who listens to the song interprets them as. And sometimes all three match. Yeah, sometimes all three match, but sometimes they don't. And anyway, in Graceland, there's a line that says, there's a girl in New York City who calls herself the human trampoline. And sometimes when I'm falling, flying, or tumbling through turmoil, I say, oh, so this is what she means. And in the video, he talks about, there's the meaning of the dictionary, which, you know, self-explanatory. And then when asked, Paul Simon said that they're just words he heard, that the human trampoline is not some kind of brilliant metaphor he wrote. He just kind of heard it and liked it, so he put it in the song. But the kind of popular consensus, given the themes of the album, is that it's about the relationship and kind of flowing unknown and and bouncing around like a trampoline. Like, you kind of see what I'm... Like, you know the song. You, you kind of get what he's saying there. Yeah. And I think this idea of, like, the difference between the artists and what we think is very prevalent on this show. Because I imagine if anyone part of Arcade Fire even thought about listening to our podcast, they'd be like, that's wrong. I, we didn't mean that. That's the, the... Yeah. And so we're really firm on the idea that our interpretations could be different than what they meant. Yeah, these are our humble opinions. And again, um, you can find us on our website at arcadefirealphabet.com, on Facebook, iTunes, all those things. We love, we love all the stuff you guys send in. We love to hear all the comments, questions, queries. And if you disagree... Especially, not especially, if you're a fan and you disagree, we love to hear it. If you're a member of the band, I'm sure you have better things to do, and so do we. Don't Stop emailing us when. Uh, just just kidding. We, lo- we lo- love you all. 
anyway, so why did I bring all this up? Uh, you know, am I, am I trying to slowly segue into uh, Paul Simon sings the alphabet? Um, which we did. Would you want to do solo stuff or Garfunkel as well? Ba-da-da. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, burn that bridge when you get to it. Anyway, so what I'm saying is that as we got from an email from a listener is that he said that he'd like to hear us talk about more of our personal interpretations of songs, not just kind of what we think they meant, which I feel like we kind of did already, but more so I understand and something I didn't have as much connection with the first couple songs, but this one I really do. And it's not just what I think they meant, but how I've interpreted it and applied it to different stages in my life. And so I don't really think that this song is about what I'm going to bring up. And at different times, you know, it means different things to me. You know, when I hear the relationships and I hear the death and I've heard them at different times uh, when I've stood in disbelief at, you know, disintegration of my relationships or that same disbelief of death. But at a very specific time in my life, I go so far as relating this song due to circumstances around me with people I know about suicide. And you know that I have very personal experience with this, and I do a lot of work in the mental health awareness community. And, you know, at least from my experience, there's nothing romantic about suicide. And nothing. And people I've talked to who have been to that point, they say most people I met, they don't want to die. They never really wanted to die. Nobody wants to kill themselves, but there's no other option. And sort of when you're facing the end of the line like that, there's the final question kind of from you and from those who love you that there has to be something to stop it. Like, we have to work it out. I'm going to scream. I'm going to shout until I work it out because I don't want this. And some people around you saying, like, we're going to scream and shout. We're going to work it out. There's more than this. There is an afterlife to this death you're thinking right now. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I just wanted to say, like, yeah, one doesn't want to end their life. And that's what it's really applied at times in mine. But you feel like you have to and you convince yourself that there are no other options, but just yell that there are, you know, I just want to say to everyone, side note, tangent again, that, you know, it does get better. It always does. There always is the afterlife. And, you know, say yes to life. You might not be able to work it out, you know, when you scream and shout after a breakup, after the death of a loved one or when you're feeling low. But you always can when you think it's your end of a line. Yeah, again, that was a big, big, big tangent. But that's what the lyrics kind of mean to me personally. Like the biggest thing that maybe I'm one of the few people that interpret it like that. And uh, again, like it's not explicit in the lyrics, but that's my human trampoline for this one. Anyway. You so you may have just asked, where did Owen go? Did he go to get a sandwich? Was he out of the room? Was he using the washroom? No, I just thought that what Alex was saying was a really important message. So I didn't really want to interrupt him. And he, he got through it. And now we're going to be connecting it more with the next verse. Afterlife, I think I saw what happens next. Oh, it was just a glimpse of you, like looking through a window or a shallow sea. Could you see me? And after all this time, it's like nothing else we used to know. And after all the hangers-on are done hanging on to the dead light of the afterglow, I've got to know. All you. Okay. After my sandwich break. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, sorry about all the, the sandwich eating. Uh this is this is really interesting because I think this is where the relationship and the death theme can come together a bit in the the death of his loved one 
and if she's in the afterlife and he's still somewhere in the middle or still in life and he sees her, he sees her in everything he does as if through looking through a window or a shallow sea. It's like there's a, there's a thin veil between him and her, but it's there. And if he wants to ever see her again or meet her again, he has to go through that veil and he doesn't know what's on the other side. And working working that out is, is very difficult. And I think we, we see this in, we'll talk about the music videos later. Mm-hmm. But, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't know exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, this idea of being separated from your loved one. I think multiple okay but you're being separated from your loved one through this through what is death and Mm -hmm. what should 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 he go over to the afterlife just to be with his loved one but he doesn't know if it entails what he thinks it entails oh okay um what do you think about the the shallow sea that's when i was thinking about like the window like you're definitely like you're looking through something but you're not actually seeing them you're seeing it through the window and you know couldn't reach out so, I mean, it's a window to me but what do you think the shallow in very sea simplified is? version it could be the underworld right yeah the idea that i mean the idea that the d- d- death and like hell is beneath us and through it looking through a shallow sea is like glass like right imagine like you know those boats with uh the boats with like pieces of glass so you could see the ocean yeah beneath? Well, this is just like the ocean, but very shallow, so you can see underneath. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, about? oh, oh. Okay, so you can. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like but you it, can see the bottom of the ocean, but you're up high on on the land. Yeah. Okay. Ah, and then like you have to hold your breath. To, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I like it. I like it. No, I. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. Um. No, sorry. Not that I didn't get it. I didn't think of it, but I get it now. Um. Yeah. I mean, I have death stuff to say too, but couldn't put it more concise than that. On the other side, uh, it's the same thing where like ghosts linger after relationships. And, you know, maybe you'll see that person far away, like down the street or whatever. And at the beginning, you know, it'll shake you. And you wonder if they saw you and, you know, did it shake them? But it's just kind of a ghost. It's not the person you knew. It's uh, like, you know, the hangers, hangers on, I've done hanging on. It's a different person and you're a different person and you're looking at them through this, I think, like the rose colored glass and it's not actually them. It's kind of you on your side seeing them and uh, you're not actually seeing them. You're kind of putting something between you and them to make it look better. What do you think? I agree. Yeah. On to the next one? Yep. All right. So we got another chorus here and then a longer bridge. Can we work it out? If we scream and shout till we work it out, can we just work it out? Scream and shout till we work it out. But you say, oh, Uh, when love is gone, where does it go? And you say, oh, when love is gone, where does it go? And where do we go? 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 Um, yeah. And... Going back to when I was saying you feel like you're at the end of the line, what do you do? Where do you go? And end of the line in your relationship when a loved one passes or what I was discussing earlier. But now it's the same questions, but there's a new element of they say, love when love is gone, where does it go and where do we go? And I really think this is, this is one of, I, we're starting to get into where I think that the end of the relationship metaphor, I think it like, it's not like it has to be death or the relationship. I think like it being both is kind of, and in your carnival ending as well, it's just kind of ending. 
And it could be using the end of a relationship to symbolize death. It could be death as the relationship. It could be both to the carnival. And I think they all kind of interconnect where you're not quite sure which one it is at any given point, but they're all leading to the same conclusion. And so this part, when the they come in, it's kind of like, you know, it, it takes two to tango. And the singer isn't the only person who knows that the relationship is over. The partner's saying, you know, oh, what happened? Where, where did the love go? What can we do now? You know, the fire went out. And the question just kind of repeats. And, you know, it kind of just continues for the rest of the song as most of the lyrics repeat, drifting away that kind of, uh, drifting away from specific questions to where do we go, where do we go, where do we go, where do we go? What do you think? Talking about where do we go, what is the afterlife? It's I think it's a question that's been repeated throughout the song. It's this uncertainty of what is beyond. It's like, where do we go? Where do we go beyond this relationship? Like, we, I've been saying it before, and I'll say it again. It's this idea that, what the relationship you're in currently is your life. Mm-hmm. And the Haitian religion believes that belief is that you will ha- have an afterlife, you'll have reincarnation that is better. And like that's something to be celebrated. And that's kind of like the next relationship you're going into. And you can scream and shout and try to work out this current one, but maybe going into the next one might be better. But it's still, where do we go? Like, what is this afterlife? Like, mm-hmm. what is what is life beyond this relationship? And that's the unknown. And that's what keeps you kind of where you are currently, stagnating. Yeah. And I mean, that's, like, I feel like the oldest question is, where do we go? Uh, like, no, nobody nobody knows. Like you say, you have the belief and things you can think about, but nobody knows. that. Like I'm saying, the oldest question, and I feel like that's the mindset, say, at the end of a relationship, or when, not when, say, you personally die, but when, like, the loved one dies, not so much saying, where are they going where am I going to go? Like, how can I live without, without my loved one in my life at all? Or after this breakup, like, I don't see a future because this is the only thing I really knew. Where am I going to go? And so what do you think about with your carnival and um, the escorting to the afterlife, the the question that's being asked when it shifts from, like I was saying, the narrator's voice to um, Regine, the, like they say, the, the counter to the narrator, the, the foil, if you will, saying that when love is gone, where does it go? Well, I think the shift from the narrator to the to the foil is, like you said before, it's it takes two to tango. I I I think you summed it up pretty well. It's this idea of that they both have the same ideas. They both both going through the same path, but they or same path. But it's just so that I think when they both need to say it. Yeah, yeah, they both. I mean, like I was saying, it's like they both realize, but. They both have their quest. Like no, neither of them know where. It's not like one person is saying like, "Yep, it's done. I'm moving on. I know exactly where I'm going." Both people are like, "This isn't working," but I don't know what the future is going to be like. And they're both asking, "Yeah, yeah." Like she's saying, "There's the the foil saying, where does it go?'" And then there's the singer saying, "Where do we go?" And they both don't know. All right, you got any more for that one? You want to move no, on? I'm good to move on. Sweet. Still a lot of song left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and A af- lot of episode. And after this, can we last another night? After all the bad advice had nothing at all to do with life, I've got no. Wait, wait, you on this? Uh, I think, like we've seen in the last one, this is probably the most, I think, the most blatant relationship line in the song, that all the bad advice that had nothing at all to do with life. Like, when, when you know it, you don't want to hear it. And uh, someone says, like, yeah, it's not working. Like, 
you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't be together or you shouldn't mourn or whatever. It's like, I, I don't want to hear it. I don't care if you're right. This is how I feel. Um, like, you know, people say that it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones once responds, yeah, try it. In, a, in Men in, in men black. In black. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought we'd have a men in black element to today's episode? <laughs> yeah. It's too true, though. I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's And, I mean, eventually, like you were saying, you know, you move on to something better and you realize, but when you're in the moment, like the last thing you want to hear is, Oh, you know, you're going to you're going to look back on this and laugh like like at a funeral. I mean, not that someone's going to say that at a funeral to you, but like the last thing you want to hear is that, oh, you know, it'll get better. Uh, you know, you're going to you're going to look it back on this one day and, and, and think it's all kind of funny. But it may be true. And, it you know, it usually is true that, you know, time's the best teacher. But at the time, like that's the bad advice that has nothing to do with life because you don't want to hear that at all. What about you, Owen? It's interesting that you say that's the bad advice because what you're talking about is bad advice is what the person thinks is oh, bad yeah, advice yeah. In, the, in, the, yeah. in the moment. But like they're calling it bad advice. Yeah. yeah, That's true. I didn't think of it like that because, like, I thought, you know, bad advice would be, you know, run with scissors. Like, oh. <laughs> obviously not that simple, but, like, it's something that everyone could ubiquitously agree is bad advice. But... <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're loving hey man, this. Take these scissors and go for a run. It'll be a great time. <laughs> that had nothing at all oh, to all right. do with yeah, life. Nothing at all to do with afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. Sorry. Continue. That's all I got for that. Oh. Yeah. I okay. No. Yeah, I see it. I see it. You you want to move on? Yeah, we're, we're getting a little repetitive here with the chorus and the bridge, though. Yeah, you want to take it to the end, or do you have something to say in between? I'll take it to the end. All right, let's here we go. go. Can we work it out? We scream and shout till we work it out. Can we just work it out? Scream and shout till we work it out. But you say, oh, when love is gone, where does it go? And you say, oh, oh, when love is gone, where does it go? Oh, we know it's gone, but where did it go? Oh, we know it's gone, but where did it go? And where do we go? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Is this the afterlife? It's just an afterlife. It's just an afterlife uh, do, do, uh, with you. Are we, uh, <laughs> it's just an afterlife. All right. I, I we got to make an executive decision. Um, you know what? Anyone who's listening, send us your feedback. On the mumble sing lyrics. Would you, yeah, <laughs> would, would, would you, would you care? No, no, no. I, I mean, yeah, send us what you think about the decision, but I think it's like, we're not going to sing the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But a mumble sing, yo, that's different. All right, all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't have much to say about uh, the bridge or the chorus there. It's or the, the, the outro, if you will. No, but yeah, but getting into the outro, it's, mm-hmm. it's the internal question. It's what the song is all about is, are we currently, what are we, where are we currently and where are we going? Is this the afterlife? What is the afterlife? It's just an afterlife? But I think overall this kind of sad... I mean, we talked about... The reason I didn't say the song was sad at the start... Because he's in the afterlife with you. And, you know, maybe that's... <laughs> you know, maybe that's a saving grace at the end. It's like, you know, they are together. And, you know, this future, the afterlife, what, what's after is it's unknown. But they're both there. And maybe that's something to be celebrated. Well, okay. What do you say? Yeah. I like it. I didn't really think about that, but yeah. 
it yeah, like it's over. Um, like say like, you know the relationship is done. Yeah, like in the but, afterlife, she's there, but not together. No, yeah, yeah, they're. It's over for both of them. There's no hangers-on, hanging-on in the dead light of the afterglow. It's They've moved on. You know, they've gone their separate ways. Uh, to quote my number one, Bruce, you have to learn to live with what you can't rise above. Ta-da! Anyway, do you have any more things to say about... No, I'm... Uh, actually, I have one more um, that I was going to... I didn't really want to bring up, even though it is something throughout the song, I didn't really want to bring up because it's a whole... Other interpretation of this, but um, so yeah, we mentioned a beginning that in the beginning, this album features a lot of themes of you know surviving in the world surrounded by technology and in the digital age, and this is the climax of the album. And in that context, I think it's kind of saying that like no, we can break free. Free, we're not held on. We're not held down by the, you know everything now of the digital age. Um, I, I mean, to be honest. Given from what they've said about the album, I think this is the the biggest theme is that the, the this is all metaphors for the digital age. But I mean, I don't really want to get into that now because it's been a pretty long episode and there's going to be so many things we can expand on on later songs for that. But I think this is the first time at least we're talking about how we said in previous songs, lots of times they're the, th- the connecting theme of their fathers and sons and families. This one is the start of their theme that I think starts on reflect or starts a bit on the suburbs and then reflector and goes into everything now is that connected digital how do we live in the modern world with our old themes what do you think yeah I agree that's interesting I mean we did talk about consumerism in one of the earlier songs and that Mm -hmm. kind of fits into that theme a bit how do we live in the modern world but it it was it was in a very arcade expos so yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Consumerism <laughs> yeah, was we're, very, we're, we're a pretty not, rampant theme even from the start. We're so. not going to build off that one in terms of the theme. <laughs> All right. Who are we? I'm ready to start. The music video? So this is, I think, art, Afterlife's a great song. Oh, yeah. And... Somehow they just made it better because of all the music videos they yeah. made. It was like it's like they made one and decided, oh, nah, nah, fam, let's make a Let lot it ride, more. baby, let it ride. <laughs> Making that sick YouTube money. <laughs> yeah, well, like, like, all right, on the suburbs, brought in Spike Jones to do a short film, but what can we do this time? What about multiple short films for one of the songs? Yeah. Win, win, get Spike on the phone. <laughs> anyway. So let's start it off. Which one are you going to go with first? The, or, o- the official, official yeah. music video. So... This one, I, I I got the stats out. This one okay. got, has currently has 7.5 million views on YouTube, making mm-hmm. it the highest. It is the official official. It was written and directed by Emily K. Bach, which is a creator's... We're really sorry if we mispronounced mess- that, yeah. It's sorry. Probably yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a creator's project production. Yeah, a short film rather than a music video. Yes. So I looked up what the creator's project was because I had I had seen they had made a few other videos I'd liked mm. or short films you want to call them that, uh, um, and uh, what I liked and I so I went to their their linked they had they had a link to their website and I go on the, I link, you the website say LinkedIn I'm like oh wow no, sorry <laughs> they, had, they had a link to their website and it was. I was very disappointed. So this oh. is a project formed by Vice and Intel. And basically you go to the website and it's like it's like BuzzFeed for hipsters. Oh. So it's like it's a, it's a bunch of like news articles Wait, and like, like Emily Kai Buck's website? No, no not Emily Kai Buck's like the uh, the creator's project. 
Oh, oh, the creators, right, the company that produced this. Right, the company that, yeah, no, I mean. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, sure. I got a little lost there, yeah. So, yeah, the creators project, you go to their website, and it's a little bit like BuzzFeed for hipsters. It's like, it's, uh. it's a lot of kind of like, these are the top ten things, that da, 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 but like specifically weird topics. Okay. I don't know, but that's beside, that's kind of yeah. beside the point. and a cool thing is that it's a mix of uh, 35 millimeter and 65 millimeter film rather than digital which is a contrast to the themes we'll be getting into later on about the digital age. But anyway, uh, you want to break down the plot? Sure. First, I'm just going to say that it did win the 2014 yeah. Prism Prize, yeah. which uh, I thought was deserved. Yeah. That's, a uh, uh, again, for people who don't know, it's a national, uh, it's a juried award for artistry of modern music videos in Canada. Nice. So, yeah, the, the, the plot features... It starts off with a single Mexican father who sells flowers by the roadside to pay money. He has two sons. One's a teenager in high school. One's probably elementary school aged. Yeah, lower elementary school. Lower elementary school aged. And uh, it goes through one night in which they all fall asleep at one point and dream of the afterlife. And they see the, the their mother, the mother who has obviously died at this point. Um, they see her in the afterlife, and they see her all in different ways. I think that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing is the father. He uh, The father sees the mother in black and white. I think that shows that the father sees the mother when she was at a younger age, which is – so she's black and white. It's And that's the true love story. That features the love story that I think we talked about more in the song is – the father's alive, the mother's dead, and how does he pierce this veil that is the afterlife between them? He sees her like through windows, like the dream is a window, and he, he sees her, and it's it's tough for him. And yeah, and it's kind of the um, the combination of both themes, because for him, the relationship's over, but the reason the relationship is over and they're no longer is in love, is because she's no longer with them. And yeah, like you were saying, the father in his dreams is kind of walking around an empty city and through a construction site. And he kind of has the, it shows like memories within his memory of her standing by the shallow sea. But at first he can't see her face. You can see she's smiling and she's in a dress and she looks really happy, but you can't see her face. And um, yeah, and then it goes to the older son who sneaks out to a party. We're at the beginning of the music video when it's not the song yet. Uh, the family's having dinner and the uh, son says, oh, dad, can you drive me to Ryan's place? Or at least it's subtitled. And so he's sneaking out. And then we get these the the really weird shots of the young son being put into a laundry machine by what looks like a nurse, given that it looks of all like hospital clothing. And then we get shots of the young son being held by the mother Smiling again, no face. But what do you, the the laundry machine is just kind of. So I have I have something here that's a little like a little out of it. Little yeah, thoughts. I mean that's so, this um, is out of it. So uh, I don't know. Didn't know. Do you know what their uh, you know the high school age son when he was like sleeping in his drunken stupor? Mm-hmm. What what color clothing was he wearing? Red. red? No. Oh. When he was sleeping in his dream, oh. where the the woman's being his mother's being baptized in the pool. Oh, or the okay. Uh, he's no. wearing pure white, everything white. Oh, okay. And then, do you know what else was uh, featured in this music video? Laundry. Laundry machines. Do you know what this was an ad for? It was oh. an ad for Tide the oh. whole time. <laughs> That's oh. 
That's a very, very specific people who only people who have watched the Super Bowl are going to. There was a Owen went on a really big tangent. There was this ad during the Super Bowl for Tide that we're not even going to get into it. But Owen just made a very, very specific joke to. Okay, but seriously, what do you the laundry element like? I really don't know. But going forward, you see the older son's dream. He finally does see his mother's face. And toward the end, we see them all again. And we're kind of asked like the, yeah, like the when the song hits the when love is gone, where does it go and where do we go? We still don't know where love goes, but we know where we do. You know, they keep going to the same places they've always been going. Um, they, uh, like... The dad's less to go to work. The son's less to do homework. The younger son still has to spin his spaghetti at dinner. And yeah, that it shows where it goes, especially with the end of the dad's journey. You want to break that down, Owen? So he's walking through this empty, empty city, right? And he goes into this industrial yard. It's still, it's black and white, which makes you think it's the past. But also he goes downstairs and there it is. A bunch of people dancing, mm-hmm. ballroom style. He, he goes through the middle and he sees his wife with her back turned to him. He goes up. Finally, you see her face and they dance. And uh, this is right kind of like into the outro where it's, it's just an afterlife. It's just an afterlife with you. I think that's really powerful on, part, on the part of the, the creator, Emily Kai Bach. Yeah. Um, I, this is probably my favorite scene in this one uh because at first you kind of see like it's this really weird mix of people dancing there and for the entire music video we kind of see that this is set in the present or at least the present of 2013 but the dancing all the people do you notice what they're wearing old-timey clothes yeah like old-timey clothes or at least clothes of like a previous era like the dress the mother's wearing there and at the ocean well the mother's just so young right because it's his memory yeah yeah but and when they were dancing, the mother looks younger, but he's still old because this is, you know, um, the abandoned basement dancing in the dad's memory. And, uh, yeah, he's still dancing with her in his head because that's what he remembers. He's looking at her through the glass. And then it goes back to all of them at home sleeping. All the plots kind of wrapped up except for the laundry one. Like, yeah, listeners, if you have any interpretation of the baby in the laundry machine plot, we'd, we'd love to hear it. Anyway, on to number two. Uh, This was a live video streamed on YouTube at the YouTube Music Awards in November of 2013, directed by Spike Jones, who, as we said, directed the sub the scenes from the suburbs. Also, has directed a lot of music videos. Her or me? Well, that was films as well. Yeah, no, yeah, uh, around the same time. Basic facts. Um, And it stars Greta Gerwig, who wrote and directed Lady Bird, which I enjoyed a lot. So what do you think of the themes in this one? Uh, it's a woman in an apartment in which she leaves the apartment, goes into the forest, meets Wynn Butler in the forest and the whole band, and then she dances off stage. I think it's okay. I think it's, it's one of those, like, I, I, I'm a fan of suspending your disbelief. So it's like, I was really kind of encased in the video. And then uh, all of a sudden, when you the realize fourth wall breaks. the fourth wall breaks, I'm, I, I gasp a little. And I, I'm, I'm a fan of that. And other than that, I thought the video was like pretty okay. I thought the dancing was a little... It reminds me of... Uh, 
Weapon of Choice by Fatboy Slim. Great music video in which Christopher Walken d- d- stares directly at the camera the entire time and dances backwards to the music. And there's a oh. col- there's a couple elements of that I think they took um, in this video, but like not as much. Not the not the entire video was like that. I thought the dancing was you know okay. She she has, she brings some children on later to dance with her. They kind of upstage her, but <laughs> I. I don't really know the Fatboy Slim music video, but I do know Carly Rae Jepsen's Carly Rae Jepsen's music video for "I Really, 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 Really Like You" with Tom Hanks doing the same thing. Is it? Uh. <laughs> yeah, the celebrity endorsements. Um, I, I got a lot from this one. Um, I'm gonna I could walk through it and then see what you pick up. So, yeah, Greta Gerwig. This is this is I think this is like the way the previous one exemplified the death. This one is the afterlife relationship. And I think this one, I think, I mean, this is all you were saying with like that you move on and it gets better even if you don't see it in the afterlife. I think this one is like, like this is it that exemplifies that. So, yeah, it starts off like you were saying um, they're uh, they're in her apartment and then you see this faceless boyfriend, husband or other facing her. They kiss, but she just looks completely distraught and he leaves. Like I was saying in the beginning, you know, right as it ends, you don't want to let go because you know, as soon as you do, they're they're gone. Um, and then, what do you think that the the title didn't come on until after he left? Like that's when the afterlife starts, when the relationship ends. Yeah, I agree. like that's good. Um, yeah, and it takes a turn from sad to extremely fun. Uh, she looks around, collecting herself, and all she can do is dance. Which, uh, I mean, you think it really exemplifies the song. You feel awful, completely awful, but you're dancing. I think this is, like, as literal of a music video as you can get because the, it's like the fun dancing is that kind of fun, dancey music, but then you know the context of what happened to her, and she knows the context of what happened to her are the lyrics. And almost this is like, like that physical manifestation of the song musically. Yeah, of the, yeah, of the message of the song at the end. Mm-hmm. And then we get into the uh, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe element. I'm sorry, just a second. The stats on that video, 4.5 million views. Oh. So the second highest. Ah. Well, almost half as much as the first one, as the official video. <laughs> wow. But we're going we're getting to get into how the stats get a little skewed oh, yeah. later here. Uh, like we said on the second episode, Owen's a stats guy. <laughs> um, yeah, they go, she goes, all of a sudden, this is like your first real fourth wall break. But I follow the fourth. Like she goes into her own. Well, let's go back to the first wall where she's in a snowy forest. And she's, it's like very self-aware. Wait a second. The first wall? When, like is, in is, her is, own is, mind. Isn't, oh, okay. It's not like a dimension thing though. Like, you know, the first dimension's a, a, a the second dimension involves a line. Third dimension's a block. And the fourth dimension's like. Time. Uh, time. But like the fourth wall, I thought it was. No, thinking like walls of a room. Yeah. So how's the, how's their, how's their first oh, wall? Oh, sorry. I was thinking more like first person. Because it's okay. in her mind. Okay, yeah. that makes more we're, sense. We're to messing me. up our numbers. I'm, I'm like, wait, a first wall, like the fourth wall is the one that like opens to the audience. <laughs> the and... math doesn't add up. Yeah, no, first person makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, this is like now outside of her apartment. Now she's kind of singing in her mind, and this is like not just a fourth wall break in that sense, but this is, I think, like, how do you th- bear with me? A universe where the song exists. The situation happens to Greta Gerwig and she knows the song and is singing along to the song. She knows what it's about and it's what's happening to her. And she's because she's singing along and she's not just dancing. She's like mouthing the words that 
do you think it's like her saying the words or her dancing to the song because the song exists and she knows it? That's more than I even thought about this oh. video. Uh, I, after we get to all of them, I'm probably going to rank them in a yeah. beginning to see where this one sits on yours. Um, but then Wynne enters the forest and kind of says over her left shoulder, and I don't know, I kind of got that like the angel or devil on your shoulder, and he explicitly asks the after all this, and immediately she turns distraught again, and it seems like she's she's... She thinks about it for the first year. Remembers that she's not just dancing, but she just broke up. But like Florence, well, she shakes the devil right off her shoulder, gets back to dancing, and like I was saying, runs into the crowd, is upstaged by the all the young girls that are dancing. Then we see the full band. They all dance, and it ends. And yeah, I think this is like this is just like I said that the other one is the complete metaphor and exemplifies the death themes. This is the relationship. That's going to suck. It's going to suck a lot. And these feelings are going to punch me in the face, but not now. Right now I'm going to dance. I'm going to shake it off. But she still knows it's there. So my conspiracy gets bigger here. Because as okay. I said, the reason why they had so many videos is to get that sweet, sweet YouTube bunny. Well, guess where this was hosted? Where this live event happened? The YouTube, YouTube. Awards. I, what's the acronym? YTMA? Oh, um, I think I have YouTube. it. Yeah, I, it video yeah something awards the grammys of or, yeah uh, the, yeah the grammys of youtube yeah so yeah that's so that but this all it all comes together here with youtube trying to push maybe youtube pushed arcade fire into making more videos than they needed to make yeah. a, a youtube conspiracy <laughs> um but then strangely the last two music videos are no longer available on Arcade Fire's official channel. So were they two different videos? Yeah. There's um, next to no difference between them. No, no, there's a lot of difference. So, oh, sorry, right now we're talking about there's two more music videos, both featuring exclusively scenes from the 1959 movie Black Orpheus, which is a sort of retelling and reinterpretation of the classic Orpheus and Eurydice myth, which we could talk about now, but we're going to talk about a lot more even in two weeks with uh, Awful Sound. So right now we're just going to kind of talk about that. But no, there's two. The one that's on YouTube right now but not posted by them mm -hmm. is just the lyrics of the song. So as they're singing, there's the scenes of the movie and then the lyrics of the song pop up. And it's all of the lyrics and nothing else. And that one is just kind of um, – it's like a wedding or some sort of festival. And Orpheus is standing behind a little fence with someone next to him. And he's watching everyone dance around and some sort of uh, like head person kind of directing it and watching it. But he's not interacting. He's just kind of he's just standing there while everyone's dancing. And the whole thing is just set at the wedding or festival. But the other one, the one that at least correct me. I mean, basic fact, if I'm wrong, but if I remember correctly, this was the very first one that was posted before all these other ones was the Orpheus and Eurydice. But it didn't just have scenes from the wedding. It had scenes from the whole movie that cutting from this sort of afterlife where he's she's not there and he's watching to when they first meet, when he's singing to her. Because that's you know, the whole thing behind the Orpheus story is that Orpheus is singing to Eurydice and it cuts with them together and the wedding. And then it ends with death taking her and the wedding that the guy comes in in the skeleton costume and chases Eurydice. And this one also 
it doesn't have all the lyrics showing. It has selected lyrics showing, and it also has very, very small amounts of subtitles. At one point, it just shows, forgive me, Eurydice. Another time it says, that's right, she received the spirit. And when death comes and Orpheus scares him away, death says to him, we'll meet again later. So why why do you think they took this one off, but then kept the other one? And I see like you, if you well, I mean, your YouTube conspiracy, I see like yeah, they don't want conflict of interest, but no. So I think the, they didn't really. I don't think they kept the other one. I think they just haven't bothered to get it taken down, mm. like because it's not posted by them. It's supposed to be by a fan. Oh no, no. What I mean is like there was a time period when this one was there. The sorry, well, like say like the the wedding one and the full one. Okay. So the wedding one, the full one was there, and the wedding one was there, and then. The full one was not there, and the wedding was, and now neither of them are on their official channel. Yeah, see, my, I mean, this is just speculation, but I assume the reason they took them down is because they probably paid for some royal, royalties, or they're paying, like, they, sorry, they, they probably paid to use the rights to mm. to Black Orpheus, and I assume, like, maybe there's a time period thing for, like, five years, or, because it, it was only taken off recently, I think. It's yeah, like, it, was, it was really weird. It was, like, a year, less, within the past year that that got taken down. So maybe it's, like, a five-year deal, and, like, now they can't use Black Orpheus anymore, or... I'm not quite sure. This is a speculation. Yeah. But I don't know why that would cause one to go down before the other. I, I know. And, like, different scenes. Uh, I Yeah. I mean, as we get further into Reflector and further into the Orpheus stuff, I'm sure we're going to come back to this and see how those add up and change the story. But, um, I mean, yeah, I could even see them being the awful sound and the hey, Orpheus. But that's for a long time from now. Anyway, that's uh, four, uh, four music videos. What do you, what do you got? I, um, how do you rank them? I got the from worst to best or best to worst. Worst to best. Okay. Worst is the YouTube one. It's okay. Oh, okay, okay. But it's not like great. Uh, then the wedding, then the full, and then no, sorry, then wedding, then Mexican father, and then full. Mm. Uh, just talking about the full one bit here is death dressed up as a skeleton. Just reminds me of the Karate Kid. <laughs> you know Johnny, the the blonde kid, right, and the yeah. Karate Kid. He dresses up as a skeleton for Halloween and tries to beat oh. up Daniel, Daniel's son. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I saw that and I'm like, oh, classic death trying to beat up Daniel's son. <laughs> Arcade Fire, not everything needs a Karate Kid element. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, but yeah, so that's the, that's a little like death. and. But yeah, I think that video was the best. The, f- the full video, it's... Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it makes sense because like Black Orpheus is a listed, uh, listed influence to make this album. And I think yeah. it, it brings together two important elements of the album. That's Haiti, and it's. I mean, to be fair, the Black Orpheus is based in Rio, and it's based during mm-hmm. Carnival. But the it, it's still close to the Haitian element, as well as bringing together with Greek mythology. And I think we're going to see that in the later songs, and they come together in Black Orpheus. And like even the cover of Reflector is um. It's the uh, statue mm-hmm. of your. I I don't. Is it? It's it's a statue in the New York Museum Metropolitan Museum of something or other, and it, it's 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 of something we're gonna know for sure next week on the next Reflector episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Interesting. I. Yeah. I I had something set, but this is like we've been talking about it a lot, but. I think I am going to go wedding is the least favorite just huh because um yeah, wedding is the least favorite then the Greta Gerwig one as much as I 
just in like I, I have so much fun with that video and I think that's one that I'll watch the most because it's so enjoyable really but, that's like that's the one I'd watch the yeah, least that's, I, that's really interesting I and then and then the uh, the family one and then the black Orpheus one uh, I the wedding one is last because I like it I don't really want to watch it. I just want to watch the other one uh, the, <laughs> I like the Mexican family one it's a good short film uh but in terms of me enjoying it, I like I, I like the the Black Orpheus, the full one, the best. It just um, it really like it's just especially when death comes at the end, it really gets me thinking about the themes of the album as opposed to saying like with the Greta Gerwig where like this one it's the songs about the relationship and the death one like this is about death, but then the Orpheus one's like I don't know what is it about. Anyway, I think the last thing before... Oh, sorry. Yeah, the last thing before we rate. Before we're done is that there is a remix of this song by the artist Flume. And we're not going to do a separate episode. Oh, and what, what do you have to say to start us off? I didn't like it. Like, no. Like, at all. No, I... Like, I remember when I, I first... I, like, you, Alex is like, what said, hey, we should include this in the episode. And I'm like, why? It's bad <laughs> okay but yeah keep going yeah yeah i so when i first heard like back in the day that this was they was going to remix it i was pretty excited mostly curious because flume is you know some some bangers like the tennis court the lord remix and the the you and me just disc- like those the disclosure you and me remix those all came out around this time and i was like could they could he turn this song into just like a banger and the answer was no <laughs> no he, he couldn't this one has thirteen thousand views Big drop yeah, off. It's uh, the one thing I really like about this though is that the album art is a picture of Anubis, the Egyptian god of the dead, who the ancient Egyptian believed Egyptians believed he watched over the dead, and it's the one that kind of looks like a Doberman, right? Yeah, the 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 jackal. A jackal. Uh, yeah, Doberman. I like this is hundred percent does not belong on Reflector. This Anubis, but. As far as like an out of album, if you're gonna somehow embody the theme, I, I like it. Like that's a good. Um, I wouldn't want Arcade Fire to use it as all, but it's at all, but it's good imagery for this. Um, yeah. So apparently it started because Flume and Wynn became friends at a festival they both toured. Wynn, also known as DJ Windows oh, 98. DJ Windows 98. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so apparently they made a pact that resulted in the remix of the song. What the pack was, we'll we'll never know. Uh, when, if you want to let us know, we're we're here. Anyway, it has that kind of like faster digital click drum, and most of the song is just the da 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 with nothing else. But it's kind of at a lower pitch and not quite in time. And there's the clicks and whistles. And it's ten minutes long. And it's it takes, just what I had next. It's ten minutes long. <laughs> and it takes five minutes for even it to drop just a bit. Yeah. Before that, it's just kind of lame, and after that, it's. It's still lame, but dropped <laughs> lame. It's yeah. It's like it's already a dance song. If anything, this makes it less oh, of a dance yeah, yeah, song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really yeah. That's that's I, true. Most EDM is like it makes it more of a dance song. This one much less. I can't like I can't imagine what context I would listen to this. I mean, like I was gonna say like this song doesn't give me anything new. It doesn't add anything to Afterlife that I wanted or didn't know I want. If I think I'd be happy if it came on if I was out somewhere and it did, but not because I like it, just more the novelty of I love Arcade Fire and like, oh, cool, this song. But did you get anything from this? No. It gets zero 
Afterlife sort of fire. Yeah, and to the point, it's not even going to be in our official rating system at all. Uh, yeah, so it was released digitally, but they also released 500 copies, um, limited release of vinyl. And I said before, I collect records. You know how much this is, the lowest price one is on Discogs, Owen? No, what's the lowest price? $75. This is sure not worth $75 for me. Supply. Yeah, Supply demand. Exactly. Baby, that's, that's what's driving that price. <laughs> right. We're uh, <laughs> we're at the thank you for bearing with all the tangents. It's been a long episode. The, definitely the longest one so far. I could see it being the longest one for a while, too. Anyway, <laughs> do you have a metric? Yeah. Um, I know how much you like to do, like, tongue twisters, so I'm not going to do shallow C. Okay. I'm going to do Deadlight. So I'm giving you okay. five Deadlights out of five. Oh, easily. Hall of Fame, baby. Yeah. Five out of five for me, too. Um, first song in the Hall of Fame. So for Hall of Fame, we want to say it's always going to be when both of us give it a five, not a rounding up from 4.5, both of us five. Um, why, why you got a five there, Owen? Uh, I think it's it's really the shining light of its album. I think it's one of the shining lights of their discography mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that it's unique. It's... It's it has wide appeal. I think that was like huge for it, right? Is that it was a radio yeah. play. It's radio play, but it has depth. And I mm-hmm. think that's what makes it a five out of five. Oh, definitely. This is a song I couldn't live without. And I would be genuinely disappointed. I mean, I would never be mad at them for making a set list. It's their music, they knew what they want. But I would be disappointed if uh if they didn't play this. Yeah, so I mean, thanks everyone for bearing with us on this very long episode. Next week, we have Apocryphalia. Apocrypha. Apocrypha. So we'll learn to pronounce it before next week, but it's uh, one of the outtakes off Reflector. Yeah, so tune in next week to hear us find out how to pronounce it. Thanks so much for bearing with us. We had a great time. Longest episode yet. See you next time.